everybody it's the week in the tackle podcast i'm tom rennie always a pleasure never a chore to be with you i can't say that for my co-host he's a man you'll know as liberace you'll also know him <laughs> no we're not going to continue that joke you'll also know him from his work on mls from playing in mls from possibly sleeping with your daughter in 1997 it is mr brian dunny liberace dunseth how are hmm. you mate you're right yeah, my, my 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 dad used to always say there's truth and sarcasm somewhere in there. So uh, I appreciate you, Tom Rennie. It's good to be here as always. Congratulations are in order. Your West Ham are not going to be relegated, or so we think. Uh, oh, but it's so one, close. It's so, one step. We're one nearly step there. Because yeah. I just I just don't I don't think the ones below are going to be able mm. to reach 37. They're on 34. There's seven games left, and even in my incredibly pessimistic view of all the world but mainly this football team even i think they'll get three draws from seven <laughs> even i so i think they'll do it we'll get to that later in the program uh look there's loads to talk about today and as ever um not a great deal of time to do it i do want to talk about tottenham hotspur because oh. allowing the janitor to manage the team to the end of the season when tottenham had champions league qualification in their in the palm of their hands. I mean, it's dereliction of duty. So I want to get mm. to that. I do want to talk about Leicester City, new manager bounce. I do want to tell you a bit about West Ham this weekend because um, I actually really enjoyed again, like last week, listening to it on the radio. Uh, so I want to talk a bit about that. Um, and we'll chat about MLS. And also we want to do a Tim Talks Balls. We've been teasing now for like two weeks. So we should probably <laughs> do it. So we'll get into all of that. Um, before, before we do that though, Danny, I want to talk about, we're doing the show on Tuesday, right? So we're recording the program on Tuesday. And usually we're not a review show in terms of here's what happened yep. at the weekend. We're not a preview show because we're not specifically saying, look at this game coming up. So it's a weird space, this. And I love doing Tuesday because it's a nice space to pick up stories and have conversations as opposed to what happened in the game, which is interesting. But I think this is more interesting. However, Wednesday night, it's kind of the only thing happening. Hmm. It's the only thing happening to such a degree I'll be at West Ham, Liverpool, but the rest of the world, <laughs> I know, I know. It's my You're going to go? You're going to jinx it? Of course I'm going to go. You're going to jinx it? Go. I always Ren go. Rennie, the only reason they're in this situation is because you're not jinxing it. You're not there in person. How, how many well, times look, we got to go over this? But let's find out now, because if I go on Wednesday and they lose, I definitely won't go again. I won't go Ever. in that Conference League <laughs> semi-final. I guarantee you that. Uh, but no, that's not the big game. The big game is Manchester City mm. up against Arsenal. Now, Dunny... A few weeks ago, we uh, did the Friday show where we do have a quick look ahead to, to what's coming up. Something's going to happen. And we both sort of said, I cannot see either of those, these two teams losing another game between now and the end of the season. Now, that's still correct. But I didn't have Arsenal dropping six points mm. in the last three games. I didn't have them dropping against West Ham, obviously. Um, I didn't have them dropping on Friday against Southampton to relegation strugglers, Southampton being bottom of the table. And I wanted to ask you a few questions on this, really, but with an eye on Wednesday night, because we always thought it was a title decider, but it wasn't because Arsenal could have lost that game. But as long oh. as they won all the others, they were still going to be champions. That is not the case now. At the moment, it's advantage Manchester City, despite the fact they're five points behind, as we record, there's two games in hand and City, if they win it, could be champions by three or four points by the end yeah. of the season. So Arsenal have got to stop them. 
How has it come to this? What has happened over the last few weeks? Because I can tell you over here, yeah. briefly, the narrative has been, and we we joked about it because we don't think they've choked, right? We're not we're not doing a kind of like right wing nonsense show here. Like they haven't choked per se, but something has happened. Mm. So what has happened to Arsenal over these three games, and how has it come to this? I would start with William Saliba not being available and whatever the structural injury to his back actually is, is highly concerning um, because I think outside of Zenchenko, he was the most reliable defender. Um, I think he's got a range uh, and, and a coverability that when you don't have him in the team, it's a huge drop off to holding. I think holding is a good player, but I don't think he's a great player. Um, I don't think holding makes uh, Gabrielle a better player. Uh, I'm not sure Gabrielle makes holding a better player, but I think Saliba makes Gabrielle a better player. Mm. Um, Tamiyasu, right back conversation, Ben White playing as a hybrid. Ben White's a good player, right? England international, or at least when he doesn't get into a fight with the assistant coach and leaves uh, Qatar or alleged. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but I, but I, I gotta be, you know, I've, I've got Arsenal fans or sorry, Arsenal friends that are Arsenal fans that are saying, well, why not just put Tierney at the right-hand side and put Ben White centrally because holding isn't working, and at least Ben White has the range that he can complement Gabriel. So th that's just structural defensively. This weekend, Vieira? Like, what What? What happened to Smith-Rowe? What happened with Emil Smith-Rowe? I mean, this was a guy a year ago that had multiple clubs that were after him. What, 30 to 40 million was kind of the valuation. You end up giving him a new deal. You give him the number 10 jersey, and he can't get on the field. I, I, what about Trossard? I mean, playing Trossard, I know Trossard maybe more of a like for like in terms of Martinelli and that, that winger left-hand side, but you can't tell me Trossard and what he did at Brighton as a quote unquote hybrid of a wing back couldn't have played maybe that internal role. So I, I just, I wonder, and this is something that we'll never understand because we judge the after effect of 90 minutes between the white lines. We don't understand what's happening in the training field. We don't understand what's happening in the context of the relationship with the manager and the players, or even the, the players and the assistant coaches, Ben White. Uh, but then you start asking maybe better questions or bigger questions of, okay, if Shaka's is not playing, Jorginho in? No, but Jorginho's the pivot six because you have Thomas Partey. And then what? So I, I just wish there was a way, Amazon all or nothing, Arsenal, that we could have insight to the managerial decisions and the players' decisions of what's happening right now at Arsenal because this team has everything to lose and yet everything to win. And with the hyper-intensity focus of what this run-up looks like, mm. we thought that coming into this game, there would still be a significant gap or at least a six-point gap. And now all of a sudden a couple games in hand for Man City, two games in hand. Now, what is it, a, a four-point gap between the two? And this game feels like this is going to be the title decider on Wednesday night at the Etihad. So I completely understand why we all talk about no Saliba holding is a downgrade. And, and don't feel bad about criticizing Rob Holding. He's a traitor to the balls, okay? He's a traitor to our kind. A traitor He's got a to great our Lego people. helmet. How dare you? No, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lovely wig, and I, I look forward to finding uh, the horse's mane that he stole it from. But, look, he's a traitor to the balls. The balls hate the haired. When the Civil War finally happens, the only true Civil War that will ever matter in humanity, the balls against the haired, he switched sides, okay? So, no, Rob Holding, screw you. You're out <laughs> of the team, all right? You can give your hat collection away now because your fringe is sublime. What of it? 
I haven't got enough donor hair, but it's fine. I've not got enough money either. Um, so I, I get that point. It is a downgrade on the player. And I think there's a conversation to be had, which is legitimate and interesting that you've alluded to of, could this player squeeze in here? Mm. Could this player be there? We've had conversations about, is the backup good enough or not? But I want to ask you about pressure mm. because everyone listening to this has experienced pressure in some way in their lives. Uh, you know, be, you know, I've been on stage or, or whatever, and you're like, I'm about to go on stage and there's 200 people there and I've yeah. got to... These people have got to think this was worth the price of admission, that sort of stuff, right? Obviously doing shows or games. If you're doing a game or you're doing an FA Cup final and you've got fans around the world listening, I want to make sure that I'm doing them a a good job. There's a lot of pressure to make sure you get that winning goal right. If not, you don't get the call for the next final. You know, that's in my business, but Tim will have his version. Our listeners have their version. Of course, you've got football and broadcasting and, and other versions as well. And everyone deals a bit differently. Each person deals with these things according to their gifts. And I just wonder how much the pressure of them being not just favourites, because I think they've been favourites in a lot of people's minds now for some time, probably yeah. pre-World Cup. Yep. But when you get near there, when, mm. you're, when you can see it, you know, the, the clocks have changed, the, the nights are longer, the sun is up, you know. Yeah. When people are saying, oh, you're the favourites to win, but it's dark at 4.30 being February, you're like, well, you know, you mm. can't even envisage May. How much has that been part of this? And is it a bigger factor? And obviously you're just observing it, as you say, not in the dressing room, we don't have the particular insight in this, but of course you've got experience uh, of playing at the top and bottom end of tables. How much from what you can see of this, is this about that pressure? Would Ramsdale have done what he did in the the 20th second or ever against Southampton if this was game five or game 25 as opposed to game 32? Yeah, I I think that that's where you're spot on is its consequence. It's consequence that that the consequences change. I mean, to your point, Tim Horsey, the first time he's sitting at the board and it's his very first live show for Sirius XM, you, you, you bet your ass he's thinking, oh, don't f- this up. Sorry, Tim. Uh, but I mean, re- just not in agreement. Yes or no. Do you agree? Like, you don't want to be the one that presses the wrong button. And, and, and the same is for us. Like, my heart still beats right before we go live. I don't care if it's U.S. Men's National Team or it's Apple. I don't care if it's even a, a radio show or radio interview. Like, I still get the butterflies for a second because I know that my words matter right now. And then as a player, it, it's, it's, it's really escalation of consequence, right? When you're a kid and you get that first championship game, you're like, oh, dude, it's excitement. I'm in a championship game. Like, oh, but don't screw up. But like, man, I got the chance. I got the chance to be a hero. You get to high school, you go to college, you go to pros, you know, you, you get in the national team, whatever it looks like. There's the, it, it always escalates the bigger the occasion. It's what all of these athletes want. I mean, listen, outside of, outside of a world cup, right. Representing your nation at a world cup. You think about what champions league looks like Europa league can France league. But it's your league title. It's your league title. And, and for Arsenal, what's different right now, the context of the conversation is Man City's been there, done that. They've won everything except Champions League. Arsenal, the sole individual focus, right? And I'm talking about this group of players. I'm saying this group of Pep Guardiola's Man City. This group of players for Mikel Arteta, they've got the FA Cup win, a couple of them, back in the day over Frank Lampard and Chelsea. Uh, and then you're out of every other competition. So every single week you got, well, outside of this week, you got one game. You got one game. And I think we did the math. It was something like, I think it was like six six to seven extra games that Man City has because of FA Cup semifinal, FA Cup final, and Champions League round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, final. 
potentially. So the consequences are almost greater in a way because we always talk about games in hand and the importance of games in hand and blah, 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 all of these things. But there's a momentum factor that becomes a psychological barrier that you have to think about. And, and inevitably, we, we will continue to come back to not if they bottled it, but do they have the bottle for it? Yeah. You know, like, can, 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 they, can they handle these, these pressure moments because the mistakes are consequential and the consequential mistakes then become points left on the board. And right now you're looking at six points, last three games completely left on the board that completely change what this conversation is Wednesday night at the Etihad. I just keep thinking about 95-96 Newcastle. I, I just mm. can't get them out of my head because they were just they who were such a great team. Can you remind it, me who won that year? It was um I forget now. Uh mm. Manchester Devil Reds, I forget. Mm. Something like yes. that. There's no way of knowing. There's yes. only one team in Manchester now, and yes. it's not that one. Um <laughs> But you know, they were such a great team. They were such a great team. They they were so good. Yeah. I live in Essex in the south of England and Newcastle in the northeast of England. And there's a thing that like what Dunny has done. He picked a, a really successful team to support. It's called glory hunting. <laughs> That's 92. And, and what, uh, what a lot of people did in my school in Essex was become Newcastle United fans. I have a friend mm. who's from King Romford. Sorry, Tim, which is, is about as Essex as it gets um, outside of London. And he's a Newcastle fan. He talks like me. He's only been to the Northeast like three times. I, I'm not even sure he's allowed to eat Greg's. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but he's a big Newcastle fan and he does it because of that team. He doesn't regret it and he won't regret it now moving forward, I'm sure. Newcastle in that year, hmm. they were top of the league. They were flying. They were terrific. They were winning game after game after game. And then suddenly, stuck in March, lost against Arsenal. Lost that incredible Collie Moore closing in game against Liverpool um, in, in April 96. They win one again. They lost against Blackburn. A run of wins, and it came down to the last two games of the season. And it's the famous Kevin Keegan. I would love it if we beat them. Love it. He's got to go, still got to go to Middlesbrough and get a result. That was my Kevin Keegan there. I think <laughs> Brilliant. Um, But they drew against Forest, drew against uh, Spurs. Man United won their games, and, and then it ended up with uh, a Man United title. But no one remembers Man United winning the league because Newcastle are the one you remember. And a lot of that came down to experience. A lot of it came down to um, players who'd done it two or three years previously. And you can maybe even see it in Man United's first Premier League title win. Steve mm. Bruce's header and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Fergie and, and, and uh, Brian Kidd jumping on the field, the celebrations, the infamous stuff. And I don't know. I thought they wouldn't do this Arsenal because they'd signed Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko who'd won titles and who could see him over the line. And you go back to that game on Friday and it's Zinchenko, who's not the captain, putting them into that weird huddle after the second goal has gone yeah. in, maybe trying to use that experience that Newcastle at that point never had. And I suppose my broad point here is, would they be a great runner-up? Will this be a memorable runner-up in 20 years' time when mm. a kid of 10 does his podcast with, you know, Billy Dunseth in 20 years' time when... <laughs> Tom Henney and Billy Dunseth are doing their show in 20 years time. Are they doing month in the tackle um, taking over our successful podcast series, but doing it monthly because the landscape has changed and they're going, God, do you remember that Arsenal team of 22, 23? Yeah. Or is, is it, is this directly comparable or is this um, a team that hasn't been able to deliver at the end? Or are we going to find out on Wednesday? I suppose. You know, what's interesting about this team is, is when, when I look at it, 
I am incredibly impressed with how they've navigated the season so far because they've raised expectations. <clears throat> and I think they got here faster than any of us thought they were. I, I would equate it to me being a Manchester United fan with what now the expectations are because Eric Ten Hag has kind of changed the realm of expectation for us. All of a sudden, wow, okay, like we're kind of in everything. Even though we're not in everything, we're kind of in everything and we're kind of close enough. And then when you get your doors blown off, you're that much more disappointed because, hold on a second, we were better. Look out, Look at the consistency. It's the consistency, I think, that's the most important, most impressive, I think, gleaming light right now for Arsenal Football Club is I don't think anybody expected them to be there. I don't think Arsenal fans expected them to be there. But now that they're there, it's like, holy shit, we can win a Premier League title. Kind of sorry, Tim. Um, so will it be disappointing? If you told Arsenal fans that you secured a top four finish at the start of the season, you ended up at second place. Broad stroke. Hell yeah. Mm. Yeah, we're in Champions League football. Look at what Arteta's done. From the conversation of should he be sacked in September of the of the international window a year ago to a year and a half ago to now, second place finish, extraordinary, especially with the nuclear arms race. Mm. If you would have said that, hey, the Cronkies are on the board and there's no more Arsenal fan TV trying to burn the place down every time, there's actually a little bit of an air of a positivity. There's a direction. There's a, there's an identifiable footprint of what Arsenal's doing right now. You take it. Yeah, 100% take it. Yeah. But now expectations change because the team was flying high and pulling away. And there was such a a substantial lead at the top of the table. Say that three times for Arsenal to now these last three games see these little mistakes that have so many consequences to what the points tally looks like at the end of the 90 minutes. That's where uh, it's a really difficult conversation to try to navigate. And the issue with it too is that I think the expectation thing is absolutely right, but you've got to shoot your shot when it comes. You've got to mm. take your chance when it comes. Like if, if we come to, like we're going to be doing this show next season and we're going to be on serious next season. We'll do some shows in the summer. Right. And we'll be saying, who's going to win the premier league title. You ain't going to say Arsenal. Mm. I ain't going to say Arsenal. No. no one on our roster of presenters, pundits, maybe even callers are going to say Arsenal. But if you'd have asked them six weeks ago, yeah, I still said Man City because you always back the Sovereign Wealth Fund. But some people were saying Arsenal. And, and I keep thinking about Jean van der Velde. Do you remember Jean van der Velde? Hmm. Jean van der Velde was a golfer. And he was leading at Carnoustie in the Open Championship in 1999. It's an incredible um, collapse. Golf's greatest ever collapse. He's out clear at the front, Carnoustie 99. And he puts the ball in the water and he does the old Kevin Costner tin cup swings and swings and swings and swings and ends up losing. Um, And he becomes runner up that year in 99. A great player, great career, millionaire, lives, I think, in like Monte Carlo or something now. Terrific life. Hi, Sean. You're the guy that f***ed up the Open in 99. (laughs) Everywhere he goes. Sorry, Tim. Um, Man City. The reason why I think Man City are going to win the title is because... Well, of this, I watched the FA Cup semi-final on Saturday. They were in. Well, do you know what I lied to you there? I watched the highlights. I wouldn't watch the whole game. Yeah, I knew yeah. it would be a waste of time, and it was. Completely um, I watched the other game, which I actually thought was better than everyone's telling me it was rubbish. I loved it, uh, Brighton, Man United, but we'll get to it, um, hopefully, at this time. But the Man City bench. So here they are. They're 3-0 up against Sheffield United in the FA Cup semi-final. Erling Haaland, Jack Grealish, Kevin De Bruyne, John Stones, 
Um, Rodri, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Diaz, Edison, Scott Carson. Um, just, uh, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, of course, right? Mm. Like, I really want to have a conversation. I mean, I love football, as you know. I love it. It also pays my mortgage, so it helps me to kind of, you know, be more enthused than maybe I naturally would be. But I love the game. And what I want here is two combatants Mm. who have been amazing this year, battling for a title because the title is this thing that you want or make your life. And I look at the Man City bench and I think, there's doping. Like, you are taking on a country. Every neutral should want Arsenal to win the league, even though they're owned by an American billionaire because billionaire philanthropist businessman is still preferable to a country using their sovereign wealth to stack the squad to that kind of embarrassing degree. Hmm. And I just, you know, that that's, that's why Danny, I'll back him Wednesday. I'll back him to win the league. I back him to win 32 games a year in every premier league season. That's the kind of thing that will buy you a hot tub. You do hundred pound on that every single week. That's a couple of lovely hot tubs out the back and your, and your back patio done as well. They're just, how do you stop them, Dunny? I mean, look, you go into this game, well, they'll be like, right, Grealish, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haaland, uh, Silva, you know, yeah. of course they're going to win it, right? <clears throat> well, I mean, listen, you're you're talking, what was it? Uh, Burnley, Fleetwood, Sheffield beats, uh, was it Tottenham? Uh, then Blackburn's involved and Grimsby's still involved. And then you get past Fulham and then you're finally, you know, whatever. You, th- this is a really odd FA Cup season or tournament this year just because you had so many of the smaller clubs have fantastic runs all the way through. And you get in this ultimate dynamic and conversation of the importance of the FA cup versus champions league and resting teams and resting, excuse me, players, teams, resting certain players, blah, 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 blah. You know what they should do. Didn't you? You know what they should do Give it with to the me. FA cup. Give it to me. Do the whole thing in January is what mm. they should do. The yep. whole thing. Do you know what? I'll Preach. save that for next year, but I'll go back to any show we've done in any January and it'll be <laughs> yep. there for you. Well, you are going to see that with the League's Cup between League Mekis and Major League Soccer in the Brilliant end of July and, uh, and start of August. Um, Did they listen to the show? Did they take they, my inspiration? Do I get Tom a cut Henny. of that? Tom Henney. Tom, Tomas Henney. Um, yeah, listen, uh, <laughs> with this game, it, it, was, it, it wasn't even worth watching. Everybody knew what was going to happen. It was going to be a mishmash, a mishmash of a team from Pep Guardiola that was going to comfortably handle, I don't care what player on that roster was put in what position for Man City, they were going to take apart Sheffield United. It was inevitable. I don't, I don't care what the odds maker says. You knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and listen, credit to Sheffield United. Incredible that they were in this situation to begin with. But now, for again, for Man City, um, they cruise through. It's comfortable. And for the most part, there was no real threat to anybody of significant value for Pep Guardiola in preparation for this game on Wednesday. It was a glorified training session and finishing session um, in an FA Cup semifinal. Um, final thought on this for, for Wednesday night. I mean, I, I'm going Man City win. I think it'll be a decent game. I think you'll see goals at both ends. I think Arsenal have a terrific mm. goal threat. But, I mean, I, love, I would love Arsenal to win it. I really, really would love Arsenal to win the game. I'd love them to win the title. And I don't care if you're at me, Man City fans. It's not just because of the Sovereign Wealth Fund element, but of course that comes into it. 
I just want different champions every year. That's what's going to keep this league being thought of consistently as the strongest in, in European football, if not world football. And if Man City go on to, I think it'll be, is it five of six or four or five if they win this? That's got to be stopped. And I want it to be stopped by something that isn't the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Mm. What can I tell you? So I'd love Arsenal to win it. I don't see it happening. If they do do it, then go on to win the league from this point. It may well be one of the greatest championships, if not the greatest championship of the last 20, 30 years. And I would throw Man City, uh, Leicester City in that as well. Not only because Man City weren't Guardiola Man City yet, but also because, I mean you've got to overcome all these other great massive squads as well. And uh, at the time, even though Leicester's story was incredible, everyone was kind of weak. Mm. And this year, there's not that much weakness about, at yeah. least on paper. Um, so I think it would be, I think it would be at least up there with that. We can have that debate if they do it. Um, what do you think Wednesday night? Well, I, I would go with Man City in the form that they're in. Uh, but I also think it's such an extraordinary dynamic, not the league title race, but also Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta. And I'm always intrigued to see when those personalities potentially could clash on the sideline. I'd also remind everyone, Chelsea at home at Newcastle, home against Brighton at Nottingham Forest. Those three of the last, well, four out of the last five of these games, again, with no distraction for FA Cup or Europa League, all of a sudden become, I think, as big of a talking point as whatever this result looks like. Uh, because of the wobble and the three consecutive draws that Arsenal has had over the last couple of weeks. Moving on from Daniel with love, I fly to you much wiser since my goodbye to you. I've traveled the world to learn I must return to Daniel with love. Hmm. Daniel Levy wrote a letter to Tottenham fans a couple of days ago uh, and signed it off. Club update from Daniel, which I thought was lovely. Um, it turns out, and there's no way of knowing this, there was just no, you, no one saw it coming. Hmm. You couldn't see it coming. It hmm. was like crossing the road looking right and a bus comes from the left and it was dark and the driver was blindfolded and you had earmuffs on. There was no possible way of knowing this was coming, but it turns out hiring a manager's assistant who'd <laughs> worked with him for years and years and years and years after the manager was sacked for complete breakdown of dressing room unity, keeping that assistant who was part of that dressing room in charge for a period of games that was set to define your future, be mm. you a Champions League team or not, that was on the table. Keeping that person in charge with almost no managerial experience, essentially the guy that puts the cones out being the manager. Now it turns out, it turns out, and again, there was mm. no way of seeing this coming. Mm. Don't tell me you saw it coming, folks. Nope. There's no possible, there's no way that no. No, not even, not even Mystic Meg of the National Lottery in 1995 who used to stare into a crystal ball and give us the magic numbers could possibly have seen this coming. But Dunny, it turns out that hiring someone utterly incapable of doing the job, not qualified to do the job, very much still married to the previous regime you sacked for complete dressing room disharmony. Um, didn't work out. Didn't work out yeah. in the end. Um, Christian Stellini sacked after a humiliating 6-1 hammering at Newcastle United. Tottenham play Man U on Thursday in a game that, I mean, they just simply have to win. Even if they're, 
they do win it, they're still not likely to be in the Champions League next season, which means who's their new manager going to be? Everyone's turning him down. I think Tim's interview is tomorrow, so we expect him to tell us on Friday that he's turned him down. Nobody wants the job. Nobody wants to play there. And yet they're also fifth, which is a mind-blowing thing to say as we yeah. record the programme. They're the fifth best team in, in the league, which is just incredible. Um, Danny, it was evident away from my facetious intro that this was not going to work. Hmm. The Everton game, it was evident this wasn't going to work. The Brighton game, where only some of the worst officiating you've seen in your life saw them win that game, uh, it wasn't going to work. On and on and on it's gone and led to this. This is, I mean, it's incompetent, isn't it? Yeah. It's dereliction of duty well, to have I'm, let Tottenham get to this stage. Yeah, I, I, again, just go back to the decision to walk away from Mauricio Pochettino. And from the outside looking in, I get it. Daniel Levy is trying to justify what the cost, the net spend, the cost, and the financing was of that extraordinary stadium, right? Extraordinary stadium. And that was always the justification of why that squad was not strengthened. And the fact that it made it all the way to a Champions League final, even the dip of form, and then the consequential start of the season, which led to the dismissal of Mauricio Pochettino. The decisions, as we look back, you know, broad stroke, big names, everybody happy, everybody celebrating. This manager will 100% signal, it, it, would, it would signal that there is intent to win. And it's all been wrong. It's all been wrong. Jose Mourinho was wrong. Um, there was a certain manager named Nuno Espirito Santo that was wrong. There was, was he, though? Well, well, we don't know. Were any of these we, guys we given a full... Nuno Espirito, Nuno Espirito Santo was manager of the month to start the season. And you end up sacking him not too long after that. What, two months later? This Antonio Conte thing. You know, I, I know I caught a lot of stick when I said, no, not, I, I didn't want Antonio Conte at Manchester United, even though I respected him as a manager. Now it looks like Manchester United made the right decision after they were getting destroyed for not interviewing Antonio Conte. Um, and and then this this backwards way of constructive dismissal. He wasn't fired. He forced himself out. It was insanely obvious. I mean, you know, the, even 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 now to the point where people are questioning: Did he really have to? What was the surgery? He got his appendix out or something? Like, was that real? Yes, like, he had his uh, flebogorn taken out, <laughs> I think it said. So that's definitely true. I mean, I mean all of these things. And, and then to then to keep Stellini on. Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, wh why? Who? Why? Ronald Reagan? I mean, I just, I don't, what I don't understand is Why? It could. It certainly couldn't just be a financial thing, right? Speculate, speculate for me, because no I mean, one's got this answer. Did he think that Christian Stellini was competent enough to deliver the goals of this season, which are only now qualified for the Champions League? Hmm. Did he look at him and think this is the guy, or did he think that he's going to write off this season and try and hire someone else? Because even that I, doesn't make any sense. Because no. None You're not going to attract sense. Julian Nagelsmann if you've not qualified for the Champions League. There'll be a that, queue around the corner for his signature. And if you're in the Conference League or Europa League, he ain't coming. Well, it, it had to be. I mean, listen, you've, you've already had Ryan Mason on, what, two different occasions fill in in that role. But why not Mason? That's such that, a great that's point. What I why don't, not Mason? But that's what I don't. I, I cannot. Com maybe this is just the locker room in me. 
but there is, I, I think about how many times I've been in a locker room where there's a managerial change midseason. And if this manager had brought in, quote unquote, his staff, you get rid of them all. Of course. You get rid of all of them because that is one unified voice. And it has been since day one. And I'm sensitive to everything Antonio Conte has been through on the personal side with the relationships that he's lost and the people that were involved in his coaching staff and or sure. had been he, he was emotionally invested with players that he played with or that he coached with. And these are all issues, right? I think once we look back and we catalog kind of the ups and downs of the season and there's more insight given because players like to talk, people like to talk. There's no more whispers. It's wide open and it's a conversation of what these these guys went through. We'll have a better understanding, right? And I think it'll be it'll be more in depth than any of us truly um, understood. But that being said, I cannot comprehend a single situation in which, when Antonio Conte walks out the door, that his staff does not go with him. Oh. But, but by the way, just th- this is okay. We'll say Daniel leaving the board, taking that decision, and wiping everybody out that was a part of that staff. But I also can't understand, and and I know this is this is more of a legal thing. It's a contract thing. Why Stellini doesn't say, uh, you know what, I'm going to go with him. But I know this is a gardening leave situation. It's honoring contracts, so it's a little bit different. But I, I, even like the Chris Armis, when Jesse Marsh gets fired, Chris Armis just showed up. Well, Chris Armis should leave too. Like this is just if you show up to support a manager, I think yeah. everybody goes at the same time. But the Ryan Mason thing. It just seems like it's the easiest solution, the easiest solution. Now, if you don't have faith in him, well, then go out and get your fucking guy. Sorry, Tim. Like, go get him. Yeah. The same thing has to, like, I would say the same thing with Todd Bowley and Chelsea right now. Go get your fucking guy. Like, sorry, Tim. You're Chelsea. You're Tottenham. You're Champions League right now. Go get your guy. How do you not? How are you not capable of going and getting your number one target to convince them that right now this is what I need you for? I don't. I'll give you the leash. You might. You even if you fail to to qualify for for Champions League, this is your club. I'm going to give you the backing. I'm going to give you the money. I'm going to give you the players. It's mm-hmm. right here. Go get your guy. Like I don't understand this at all. Well, I'll tell you what's happened at Tottenham. I think Daniel Levy has believed his own hype, that he is mm. the greatest CEO in football. I think that everything leading be. up to that Champions League final, it all went so well for him. But I'll tell you what he has completely overlooked is that this is not a great team. It's not a great team full of great players. It is being held up and propped up by one of the greatest strikers that England certainly has ever produced. One of the greatest strikers if not footballers of the Premier League era in Harry Kane. We under, and I genuinely think this, we under value, we don't respect enough just how world-class Harry Kane is. Because not only has he kept this scoring run up, he's kept this club afloat. Mm. He's kept this club in the Champions League. He's kept this club motoring for these years. These players they have are all... Nowhere near the level of this player. And that's gone on for far, far too long. Daniel Levy did not know what to do to build a team around Harry Kane. Maybe it can't be done because they don't have the budget. I don't know why he's not done it. 
Could be competence, could be possibility, could be finances. I, I don't know the answer to it. All I can tell you is that is what's happened from observing. And it's almost got to the point now where Kane has stayed too long, not for him, for them. Because there needs to be a new conversation about what this team is. What are we trying to achieve here? And you look at the managers they've hired in recent years. What was the directional goal behind hmm. those appointments? Was it a final spurt from the Harry Kane team, which was the Pochettino team? If that's the case, there is no more spurt to be drawn. Hmm. So what next? And I'm not saying sell Harry Kane. I'm saying um, if you can't build a team around him, then you have to find someone Pochettino-like who's going to build a team, the next team, because this team is totally over. It is over, and it's been over for so, so long. And Levy's not addressed it. The hires have not addressed it. And I think, to your point about why he didn't go and get his guy, he doesn't know who the guy is. Mm. He has got no idea. This is Rachel from Friends making a (laughs) shepherd's pie with clotted cream. Mm. That's what this is right now. He is so bewildered by what to do next. And I think that leads to four games of Christian Stellini. And it leads to, oh, Ryan, can you do it? And it leads to what on earth are we going to do here, there? The, the payoffs for these managers. I genuinely think it's inertia. And we can talk about why that inertia is happening to the cows come home. We're not going to know until Daniel Levy writes his book. But Danny, he's got to make a decision. Mm. You're so right. A decision needs to be made. What? And if, but if they can't attract Pochettino, are we going to be like, is Nuno coming back? Is that where we are now? But, but, but if Pochettino goes to Chelsea, I mean, <laughs> what? Uh, it, there's so many questions here. I mean, but you you even go add, add Bratici to the situation. I mean, that, that's, a, that's another level. I, I, again, look at the way the squad's been assembled over the last couple of years. It, it's not for a lack of spending, but it's a question of why are you spending this much money on this player for this position, which clear, like, look at Jed Spence. Remember him at Nottingham for or um, the run that he yeah. had last year, and you yeah. bring him in like Perisic, Oliver Skip, Saar, Poro. I mean, you're, you're oh, still you're Poro st- and Saar. I mean, give me I, a break. No, but d- remember Danjuma. Remember, remember the run that Danjuma was on. I, I, I totally forgot. Like, I just have so many questions. <laughs> I, no, I we, mean, we we can't we. we look. We, we don't know. If only I, I, Amazon did a show that... Yes. Oh, yeah. No, that was Jose years. One yeah. further thing from the weekend loss against Newcastle. Well, again, Newcastle were great. We'll, we'll talk about that another time uh, because th- there's other Incredible. conversations to be had there. Yeah. Um, but let me just read you this, a statement on the uh, Tottenham Twitter page. As a squad, we understand your frustration. So I don't know who wrote this. Your anger, it wasn't good enough. We know words aren't enough in situations like this, but believe us, a defeat like this hurts. We Mm. appreciate your support, home and away. And with this in mind, we'd like to reimburse fans with the cost of their match tickets from St. James's Park. We know this does not change what happened on Sunday and we'll give everything to put things right against Manchester United on Thursday evening when, again, your support will mean everything to us. Together and only together can we move things forward. Now, what what does that even mean? Together and only together? You guys are the f***ing players on the field. Yes. What are we talking about here? Sorry, Tom. Yes, don't have a go at me. No. I, I, I got to Newcastle on my own money, <laughs> yeah. I, and it's not easy to get to Newcastle. I survived yeah. a night out in Newcastle, which is not easy without yeah. copious amount of Gregs. Mm. Two Gregs. Love Gregs. Um, 
You know what it is? It, that, that's basically please don't boo us. Is it please don't boo us? Yeah. Because yeah. we need you. Together we can get through this. Please don't boo us. Because when it comes to refunds, this is something that, you know, I, I say this. I, I don't fully like mean it because I don't really think it's ever going to happen because, <laughs> you know, they were bad, but also yeah. there's no guarantee in football of victory. It's not like going to see Beyonce. You know, you're going to see two and a half hours of sensational warbling. Mm. Um, you, you're not guaranteed anything here. You don't get anything for the price of admission bar just admission. So I always say everyone there deserves a refund, but it's more like a figure of speech. I don't mean like actually do it. You're justifying how terrible it was. Yeah, correct. It's just, you know, it's just a phrase, an idiom, whatever. They're actually doing it. What, what, what do you make to the fact they're actually doing it? I, I mean, I, I find this yeah. really, really odd and actually not a great precedent because let's say next year when Harry Kane goes and they're back to an average squad and they lose 10 games a season away from home. Are you going to give the money back every time? Maybe you should. I'm, I'm mm. not saying that's the wrong answer, but it seems a bit nuts. Yeah, I, I think it's just pressure. I think it's it's right now recognizing in a weird way what a dire situation it is. The it, I mean, it, listen, it, it's 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 effectively a player apology, but coming from the club that it's it's please stick with us. Again, please don't boo us. We'll try to make this right by you. We'll give you your money back. Um, and we're really sorry, but stick with us because together we can do this. No, that's not how that works. No, Th there's not a single player in that squad that thinks that the fans can do it for them. No, no. So uh, it, it's all, I mean, listen, it, it's, it's a broad stroke of social media. That's what, that's what we're, that's what we're looking at. Um, and, and listen, none of it, it's all empty words. If they come out and they smash Manchester United, well, then it looks like they've done everything correctly. But what happens if they come out and they get smashed by Man United? Mm. What happens if they lose? I mean... It... Refunds for everybody! Well, and, if, and if you're a Tottenham Hotspur fan, do you really want to qualify with this group for Champions League next year? Well, I think you right? do, only because... You do, because it's Champions because League. You, you can attract a better manager. Like Julian Nagelsmann, right? It's not going to be Pochettino. It looks like he's going to Chelsea. You know, courting Pochettino for two and a half years and not getting him is a very, very Spurs thing to happen. Hmm. But if you want Nagelsmann, which, you know, he wants to be first choice. I want to make sure I'm first choice. I'm not your first. I won't be your last. Uh, pathetic. Um, but whoever it's going to be, if it's a Champions League team... They've got a pick of a few different types of managers, but maybe they don't want that type of manager. It might do them a favor to be in the Europa League, and it might do them a favor to let everyone get above them and not being anything. Yeah, but, but then I don't know. The, 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 I, I get what you're saying, but if you're Julian Nagelsmann, do you want this squad? I mean, is is I bet there he wants not the twenty million pound payoff? Did he? No, well, of course, of course. Listen, it's all about money, and it's all about Champions League, and it's all about that. Yeah, a hundred percent. But at the same time, like he was just at Bayern Munich, bad decision. Mm. Timmy Tickles and that terrible oh. hat so bad but like if if you're julian nagelsman do you it's not like he needs to take this mm. it's not listen stadium's incredible still tottenham hotspur mm. but like if you look at that squad what 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 screams out to you mm. that you are going to be uh, amongst the elite of the elite in the premier league yeah. especially not, if harry kane leaves and and the 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 big conversation now is who's your sporting director, your leader, your new paratici, who is your head coach, how much money is going to be made available, and there is not a proven track record that these managers get the players that they want. Mm. 
that you're getting a great deal on a player that could potentially turn into something, but are you getting the player that you want? Because you can get like 1A, but are you getting like 2D? And, and, and for any of these players or any of these managers coming in, that's going to be a realistic conversation. Yeah. Okay, how, how can you give me 100% backing that I'm going to get the players that I want in this window? Because as much as you want to say it's not one of the reasons why Antonio Conte walked out the door, it's one of the reasons why Antonio Conte walked out the door. Yeah. You're, you're giving him 2D. You're not giving him 1A. And a very significant reason why they might be looking at 2D and not 1A is because they left the janitor in charge for four games this season. So top work, guys. Uh, listen, we're nearly out of time, but I want to move on to a couple of other quick bits and get and get your take on them, Danny. We, we've got mm-hmm. more games coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We'll do another pod on Friday and the, and the, and the next show on Tuesday. Um, this weekend, relegation battle stuff. West Ham won Ooh. 4-0. Briefly on that, not so much about how good West Ham were, which they were. It was their best performance of the season, um, I I thought, by quite some way. Um, Looks like things are just clicking at West Ham, and it's taken a long time to do it, and I don't let them off for the season to this point. But they're one win away from safety, and and hopefully that conference league. Oh, just Mm. win it. Win it and finish 16th. That'll do me absolutely fine. Um, But I was in the car, so uh, the kids haven't been very well, and my wife went out and got super smashed on Saturday night with their friends. Good for Um, her. And so, yeah, spot on. So... I was like, right, I'll put my sleep here. It's three o'clock, half uh, time. And um, so about 2.55, I put them in the car. Daughter's in the car, son's in the car, wife's in the car. We drive to the Starbucks about half an hour away. Other coffee is available. Um, and generally better. Um, and I'm in, in the car and then they're all gone. All of them are gone. All three of them are gone. And we had this emergency alert thing in England this oh, weekend. No. You may have seen it in the news. So look, everyone in the country got a 3 p.m. emergency alert. But I'd even thought about that. So when the alert went off, everyone in the stadium, you might have heard if you were listening on the radio, got this sort of sound on their phone. And it was like, this is the United Kingdom government testing the emergency in case like Russia in tax or something. So I've got, I've caught the phone. So they haven't gone. So I'm driving to, driving to Starla. And anyway, um, then Pablo Fornal scored to make it 4-0. And I've managed to keep me asleep in the car go into Starbucks and out again, missed the emergency signal, but then he scored that scorpion kick. And that's when I finally thought we were going to win. And I was like, <laughs> all three of them woke up. He's crying. She's crying. My wife was very, very angry at me, but um, worth it. I think mm. worth it. Mm. I think they might make it 34 points. I only had them getting 35 um, <laughs> for the seven that's left. Yeah. So Tom Henny. Tom Henney is back. Positivity is back. Uh, two things. Um, cults of personality, especially against the Bournemouth side, that was uh, showing that they had every intention of staying up and clawing their way out of a relegation battle. So credit where credit's due. That, and I mean, that real- squad, by the way, has no business not being bottom of the league. So Gary O'Neill, if he gets them up, well done. Son. He's done Absolutely. an incredible job. Incredible job. Also, I would just like to point up very simply, it's because you're not going to the games and you're going to balls all this up. You're going to balls it up. You're going to show up in the stadium. And if they lose to Liverpool, it's all your fault. I just want if you to know from now on. If they do beat Liverpool though, and they're basically safe, I don't see Everton getting 37. Hmm. Um, just, oh, 
I just can't even envisage the happiness. I did have a take, ticket for Palace on Saturday, but I've decided yeah. not to go. Um, but I want Tim to Horsey's you... happy. By the way, Tim Horsey's happy you're going because you just jinxed the win into the favor of Liverpool Football Club. That's true. Um, briefly, I want to ask you about Leicester because, mm. you know, the, the sackings this year have been ridiculous. One of the latest sackings ever. I think it is the latest sacking ever um, in the Premier League. Oh, in, in terms of team, it, let me rephrase that. In terms of teams that have stayed up, anyone who's sacked the manager after this point has always gone down. Leicester with their victory at the weekend, out the relegation zone. Uh, we're speaking before their incredibly important midweek game against Leeds United, so we don't know what's happened there. But um, it had a big effect, didn't it? I mean, he just, Dean Smith, went, right, well, all the stuff that uh, your mate Brendan Rodgers did, let's not do any <laughs> of that. Let's go 4-3-3, three, three, yep. all out attack, be brave, be aggressive. And we'll see what happens, which is what Roy Hodgson did. Maybe the later the sacking, the better moving forward. Yeah, well, I would say Ian Nacho and Jamie Vartis having a party up top. Um, I don't know if that's the right song, but even throwing Daka on as well. He gave him a, a little bit more of, a, of an offensive impetus, if you will, to get forward with numbers and have some dangerous players in the final third. Again, it's a team that's just been devastated with injuries all season long. And Soyuncu and Fass seem to do pretty well. Um, and that yeah. hasn't always been the case. So credit where credit's due. Uh, John Terry giving a big old bear claw hug to Dean Smith afterwards, putting his hands all over the gaffer. Um, and this was a big one because I thought that Lopetegui and Wolves were were more than capable of going to Leicester City and the psychological damage that's been done this season. Yeah, it kind of kind of changes uh kind of changes the perspective. Um, so credit where credit's due. They deserve where it. Are we, where are we now? You know, I've been doing my my weekly spreadsheet, which I actually, yeah. I got all the results bar. I had West Ham not to win and Leicester to draw. So everyone else's results I actually got right this weekend. Yeah, you did um, well. So who, who do you think? I still have in my <clears> list, nothing's really changed. Southampton, uh, Leicester, Forest would still mm. be my three, even though Everton... Um, didn't beat Palace this weekend. I did have them to yep. draw. They got a draw. What, what, what do you think? Have you, have you got a point number in mind yet? Are you thinking where you might be? <clears throat> I think probably safety is about 34, 35 um, with the way this is all kind of playing itself out. You don't see uh, Everton getting 35 from where they are. 28 currently. Seven points. Uh, let, me pull up, let me pull up my handy dandy schedule. Um, Everton. Newcastle at Leicester at Brighton, Man City at Wolves, Bournemouth. Yeah, that's that's difficult. That's difficult. But listen, it's it's Sean Deutsch, Deutsche. Simple set paces, kick the fucking shit out of them. Sorry, Tim. Uh, Deutsch football. Double. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. There. Double. Was it sorry, double? Did Tim. I say two? two? Did I do two curses? Yes, you did. Oh. You you can't say you can't, can't say do Deutsch the second one. Cursing. Yeah, it's true. That is it's true. true. Um, so I mean, I mean, I, I still have Leicester Everton getting out of it because I can't see, um, mm. yeah, I, I can't see Everton ever going down. But we'll see. Uh, listen, I do want to do MLS update, but we've also got to do Tim Talks Balls today. So, do you want to save MLS update for yeah, Friday? Yeah, save it. Yeah, to? we'll we'll save it. We'll do an MLS chat on Friday show post our Sirius XMF Sea Show. Uh, she sells seashells down by the seashore. Not easy Good to job. say. Um, but we are looking forward to the Women's World Cup. Oh, so so annoying. Um, Nia Williamson out of the World Cup, England captain. That's a bit of a blow, but. We're still going to win it, and we're going to win it because the girls will be playing with the, well, the new ball. Uh, I won't tell you any more about it because we have a man of great sensuality to tell you about this ball. His name is Mr. Tim Horsey, and this is a segment we call Tim Talks Balls.
Emotions, the official match ball for the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023, was launched in spectacular fashion in Sydney, Australia. Traveling over the iconic Sydney skyline by helicopter before arriving at Marks Park overlooking Bondi Beach. The ball is a celebration of the cultures of both host countries and features designs by Aboriginal artist Charney Sutton and Maori artist Fiona Collins. Their art is also a part of the FIFA Women's World Cup brand identity Beyond Greatness. Some features of the ball include a CTR core, which is a groundbreaking core within the ball that is designed to improve accuracy and consistency, supporting fast, precise play with maximum shape and air retention. Speed Shell, the ball's polyurethane skin, features micro and macro textures and a new 20-piece panel shape, enhancing aerodynamics. Polyurethane. Connected Ball Technology, a suspension system in the center of the ball, hosts and stabilizes a 500 Hz inertial measurement unit motion sensor providing unprecedented insight into every element of the movement of the ball. The sensor is powered by a rechargeable battery, which can be charged by induction. Polyurethane. <laughs> there you go, Tim Talks Balls, ladies and gentlemen, mm. teaching you the mm. only way to learn about balls Yep. Essentially, Brunny, uh, Brunny, Danny, how'd Brunny. you feel about that? Brunny, yeah, I like I, Brunny. I, oh, I, are I, you Tom Brunny? <laughs> I can't tell if I'm turned on or <laughs> really disgusted <laughs> by what I just heard. But uh, Tim talking balls should be a staple. We just need more balls. That's true. And if you know of some balls you would like Tim Horsey to describe, uh, send them to his personal Twitter page, or you can tweet us. Uh, to at Thomas J. Rennie, to at SiriusXMFC, go on the gram and find Dunny, um, and send us photos of the balls you would like Tim Horsey to describe. Wait, wait, we're we're asking them wait. to send us pictures of their balls. Wait, hold on, wait. Let me. Uh, at we can tackle there. on Instagram. Yes, that might not be what I was looking for. Anyway, do that. But imagine you were sending it to like your mother. So do clean balls. No, that's wrong as well. We've got no time for more of that. Uh, this show is Week of the Tackle. That's Brian Dunseth. I'm Tom Rennie. Tim Horsey produced the program and also made us all very aroused. We'll see you next time.